Hey everyone, and we're back with another uh, Utility Strategy Podcast episode. Uh, we're really enjoying making these. Uh, we're getting an opportunity to talk to a variety of stakeholders in the industry, from uh, people who are boots on the ground, touching the pipelines, and people who are uh, three years before the project, uh, connecting point A to, a to B and trying to find out what's going to be uh, in between. Uh, and today, on today's episode, uh, we are going to be focusing on damage prevention. Um, and with us, we have someone who I think a lot of you are going to know from, uh, recognize from, uh, from LinkedIn. Uh, and that person is Raymond Sonier. So, uh, Raymond, how, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, David. I cannot complain. Well, I could, but I'm not going to, but I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. And yourself? Good. Not, not too bad at all. So give us a, give us a brief. Uh, who, who's Raymond? What have you been up to? What, what, what did your career look like? How did you end up where you are today? And uh, uh, I think that's, that's where we'll start. I think the best way to describe who I am is how I will state this, eat, sleep, damage prevention, repeat. That is who I am. I, I love it. I, I enjoy it. people, if they, if they would like to, I enjoy people talking me to sleep at night about damage prevention. That is what I love. That is what I'm passionate about. That is what I do. So my name is Raymond Saunier. I work for Atmos Energy Corporation in the south part of the United States, specifically in the state of Louisiana. I do damage prevention for the operation side of the business only. I, I don't deal with anything else other than damage prevention. That is who I am. That is what I do. I'm just trying to keep my gas in the pipeline and I will do whatever is necessary to keep that gas in the pipeline. So the things that I do from day to day is dealing with the Louisiana State Police and the operation of pipeline and safety. I deal with investigations damage investigations specifically. I patrol my pipeline routes to make for sure that the utility locators and the excavators are following state law, specifically Louisiana 811 state law, and many, many other small things. Those are the large items that I deal with. But damage prevention is what I do, David. And how uh, how do you how do you find yourself in damage prevention? What was the what was your career path? What was the trajectory? Wow, that is going to be a story, and I'm going to try to make it short uh, for our audience. I was digging a hole. I was digging a hole. <laughs> One day, I love where this is going. Wow. Yes. <laughs> a utility locator 
was watching me dig a hole next to a gas line. And he says, I have to find a wire that is attached to that gas line and I can hook up to that wire and trace the gas line out. So he was parked at the front of the church camp, Acadian Baptist Center, where I was working at the time. He says, I'm going to go to my truck and I'm going to get my machine. And when I come back, I'm going to dig a hole, find the wire, hook up to it and trace out the gas line. In that amount of time, I had already dug down to the main before he got back with his equipment. And he was amazed. He says, how did you do that so fast? I said, that's what I do. I dig. That's what I do. And that day he says, uh, how would you like to come work for my company? So I started in utility contracting for a company by the name of Utiliquest, which is still around in the United States as a yep. contractor. And that's how, that's how my story got started, David. I, I began in that field, utility locating, and I stayed in that field um, until I came to work for Atmos Energy as a utility locator. And now I'm a damage prevention coordinator slash specialist. That's, you know, that's I the think part. <laughs> I think that uh, one of the things that I love about the industry is that everyone is just so passionate about the, the profession. And I think there's a mission aspect to it that we're doing something uh, important that we're keeping uh, humanity running like no nobody's doing anything without without keeping our utilities safe right we're not living we're not uh, uh, getting heating in the winter and broadband uh, when there's a pandemic right um, and I was wondering wh where where did the passion for you to this industry come from well I guess every human being David has a love for something and they, they have a drive, a wheel to be good at something. This was the route I took when I chose to go into this profession. Did I know anything about the profession? <laughs> nothing, nothing. I didn't even know 811 existed. I went into a profession. I became good at it by continuing to study and study and study and learn and relearn and continue to educate myself and accept education and take education and learn from older guys in the field. And I began to love it. I guess mainly, David, because this is all I know. This is what I know. I didn't, I didn't choose to break away from this profession. I chose to be loyal to this profession. And I guess this is what's led us up together, brother. You know, good Lord uh, works in mysterious ways, as they say. And this That's is funny. why you and I are talking, because uh, you understand and other people understand that work with me how much I love this profession. 
this is what I'm good at. I'm not good at I'm not good at any of the other fields that you guys, uh, your company, when you uh, interview other people, I, I don't know their professions very well. What I do know is my profession. And I feel like I know it extremely well. Well, I, I feel that too. That's why we're, like you said, that's why we're having the conversation. And that's exactly the knowledge that we're going to, uh, try and uh, share with our with our audience today. Uh, so, so Raymond, give me. Uh, uh, you know, I always start these uh, conversations with a bit of a, a broad but tough question. And uh, what, what do you think is the biggest challenge that we're seeing in our industry today? And like when I say our industry, I'm referring to damage prevention. What What do you see as the thing that's holding us back at the moment? Ooh, I could go. I can go several ways with that. Um, we have discussed in great detail things that are holding us back. We are not advancing. We are not advancing as I would hope. We are, but not as quick. And maybe things need to take time. But the technology is there. Innovation is there. Evolution is there. We're going to have to get on board and take the ideas of other people, sort of like what your company does, David. We're going to have to take those ideas and we're going to have to get serious. And we're going to have to do something to save damages from happening. Doing something is better than doing nothing. And I understand business. I think I do. You just can't throw money at everything, but some things are worth throwing money at. And then you can throw a little money at some of these things and they can become better. And you can throw a little bit more finance to some of these things and they can come even better. But you have to start somewhere. The damages are going up. Ticket volumes are going up. We have to do something and we have several issues and we'll touch on several of those issues. Number one, you have to have people. You have to have people to do the business, David. If you don't have the right amount of people, you're going to get the product that you produce with a limited amount of people. If you have too many people, well, then that's bad for business because you, if you have too many people, you get waste. So there has to be a fine line somewhere, David, but in my industry, in my industry, there's one importance. 811 is set up for public safety. You have two stakeholders that have to deal with the safety. You have the excavator and you have the utility operator slash locator. You understand? The law is wrote for those two main stakeholders. You have to have people in each of those, you have to have enough excavators to do the job safely and efficiently. 
and productively. You have to have enough boots on the ground, people, to do the utility locating safely, efficiently, and productively. You have to have both. And we, in, in America, we're, we're having a problem with labor shortage for whatever reason. And, and that's another topic for another day. But we, we have some problems. And the problems is not having enough boots on the ground. So how, how are you guys tackling this, this issue? Like what, 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 what are you guys, uh, or what are you seeing? What are the trends that you're seeing in the industry? Because I think this is like every conversation that we have, everyone's talking about the, uh, the labor shortage and some are kind of uh, taking the route of, uh, uh, well, this, this isn't from guests on the podcast, but some are kind of saying, well, it is what it is and we just need to kind of buckle up and handle it. And some are kind of saying, well, we need to innovate and we need to maybe start doing things differently. The, the folks at my company, Atmosphere Energy, and, and some of the other well-known uh, gas distributors across the country. You have people that know how to do their job. You have people that are specifically trained on how to get more boots on the ground, looking for the right amount of people, looking for the people. Unfortunately, that's not my area of expertise. But what I can say about people that I don't even know that work for Atmos Energy, they know what they're doing. They know their job well. David, you know your job well. You can't tell the guy that's uh, the production guy or you can't tell the, the engineer guy. You know your job well. The engineer guy, you're going to have to trust him that he knows his job well. I'm going to trust my management that they will know what to do to get the amount of boots on the ground, basically to come to that spot where we don't want to have too many, but we don't want to have too few. And right now, David, the problem that we're having specifically in the U.S. is a bunch of money, a bunch of money was dumped into the infrastructure system how that hurts us is you have a bunch of money for grants to do something, but they've only given money for one part. They've given money for the construction. No one has thought about the money needed to locate for the construction damage prevention. And that's where I come yeah. in. It seems like there's, it's like a repeating, uh, uh, it's like a broken record. Sometimes it feels when we like, when we have these conversations that the, the further you get away from that moment, when you have a backhoe kind of putting the shovel into the ground, the less we're investing there. Like those are the stages where I believe like in the planning and the design stage and, uh, uh, and obviously with all the, the locating and the suit that comes into it, that's where we need to invest to have uh, uh, an efficient and safe construction process, but we're not doing that. 
like we're kind of saying we're kind of kicking the can down the road to the like each each part of the construction project life cycle is kind of saying well i'll just let the the next guy handle it and the design said well i'll let, I'll let the uh the construction uh, this, uh, engineer handle it and then he says well i'll just let the 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 excavator handle it and then like the uh the last one like that's what happens the last one that contractor that's putting a shovel into the ground he ends up being responsible for uh uh a bunch of mistakes that were made three years before he was even with his boots on the ground it appears it happens exactly the way you have described it. It appears that companies like Atmos Energy, David, they tend to see the successes of other companies. So here's what's happening right now. This company, uh, I'm not going to name them, this distribution large company is doing a great job with damage prevention. I can see our guys in the background. I don't know who they are because my company has, I don't know, four or 5,000 people working for them. If I had to guess, I'm just guessing that number. Somebody yeah. somewhere in a closet with four other people in the same closet are looking like, okay, this company, Company A is doing an excellent job in damage prevention. What are they doing? Well, let's let's talk about it. And let's say it's it's uh, mapping utilities in advance, like what you guys do, David. They're looking at that and they're like, "Yeah, that's a great idea." Well, how can we make it better? And they're gonna say, "Well, let's jump on that." Well, that's not how my company operates. My company operates by vetting. Uh, carefully and using time to their advantage. And they'll say, well, I like this idea. I like this idea. Let's see how it's going to work. And they want to see time. They want to see a couple of years pass. Let's revisit that same subject two years from now. I'm guessing all this, David, just so you know, but that's the type of company I work for. I have within reason figured them out. They don't do anything quickly. They do everything using time to their advantage. And I believe what we're seeing in America right now is, and, and CGA is even doing a little bit of investigation on GIS mapping. It's the new thing. It's the new thing. And, and everybody's like, man, that's a great idea. Well, let's see what we can do uh, to get ahead of this. Let's see what we can do to make it perfect. So when we have it in our lap and we're ready to invest in it, we're going to get a perfect system, a well-oiled machine, and it's going to work perfect for us. They want to see the numbers. And I don't think the data is there right now, David, for, for people to see how well-designed systems that you guys are coming up with. The technology, it's there. I don't know why. I don't know why people don't attach to technology. Um, I guess, you know, I, I, let's think about the cell phone just for a second. Something you and I use fairly regular. You probably remember when you first got your first smartphone back in, uh, 20, 2009, you was playing with yeah. it and you was trying to make it work. And, and 
one day you're just in a meeting and some little girl next to you, she does something that you didn't even know that same phone does. And you're like, oh, man. And you was like embarrassed. You're like, how'd you do that? And she tells you this is how you did it. I think that's how life works, David. Yeah. You know, I think you're touching on uh, on an interesting point that comes through when you when you talked about the each company is thinking for themselves, like, okay, how are we going to solve our challenges? And if you ask me, I think what the industry is missing is one solution for everyone to 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 work off, because. Atmos has their own utility data and the next uh, energy company has their own utility data. And then we have, uh, I don't know if we look at Texas. So the Railroad Commission is gathering that type of data. And then the Austin GIS is gathering X type of data. They're taking sewage lines and they're taking only distribution. This one is taking only transmission. And, and if I'm a... You know, we were talking about excavators, but if I'm a, just a civil engineer that's just trying to gather these records and like create this one report, something that the entire project can work off, I don't even know where to begin. Like it's like I need the, then, and then we start sending the guys into the field. We'll go look up the manhole, see what name is written on it, see what the, what's written on the pedestals. And then we'll start calling the utility owners. And sometimes the utility owners, depends which ones in the telecom industry, I won't name anyone. Uh, maybe they don't answer you for three months and then you go dig and because they didn't, they didn't answer you. So, uh, well, how are you going to miss that, uh, that fiber line that you just didn't have the utility records for? So you, you do hit it. Uh, and then you get charged for the damages. And then it's like, there's this whole, I think the word that I'm looking for is fragmented. We have a fragmented system and we're each in our own silo. And, you know, how, how do you guys handle it? Like, how do you, uh, how does Atmos, uh, how do you and your damage, with your damage prevention hat, uh, help other people not hitting your your pipelines, your assets. So I'll tell you a story <clears throat> that happened yesterday, which is what made my morning chaotic, which I began my conversation yeah. off. <clears throat> I was leaving a meeting in Upper North Louisiana. To get across from one side of the state to the other is typically about a four-hour drive. To make a long story short, Louisiana has the majority of Atmos Energy gas distribution system in it. I was leaving a meeting. I was on my way home. <clears throat> I had enough time to leave the meeting in North Louisiana to get to my home to, to basically make a general eight-hour day. I decided just, just by chance, just by God's divine providence, I decided to veer off my route and go through two project areas. Two projects going on right now. I had already had pre-construction meetings with the engineers and the excavator 
bosses, supervisors, and hands on site. And I decided I would drive through those two different projects, two different pre-construction meetings, two different engineers. I would drive these projects just to see what was going on. I drove through one. It was completely marked as it should be. So the utility operator has done what he was supposed to. I left that site, went to another one. Sorry. Went okay. to the next site. And as I'm turning the corner, I'm watching a borehead locator. Follow me? A locator that follows a borehead. Blind boring about to side swipe my high pressure gas main. Had that pipeline been hit yesterday, I would have had a catastrophic national media news coverage issue that I would have had to deal with. I drove up at the exact right time. I got out, I approached the utility locator, locating a borehead, trying to blind bore my gas pipeline, requested the depth of his borehead, and his answer was, I do not know, I lost my borehead. I almost passed out. I told him to stop your excavation immediately and began to get everybody involved that I need to get involved with that situation. That is how I catch the big one from happening. Just like the police, when they catch criminals, sometimes you just got to be in the right place at the right time. Other than that, we catch damages by producing audits. I audit my contractor that works for me in line locating and I audit my in-house personnel that does line locating. And sometimes we catch damages from happening by doing audits. We'll catch lines that are mismarked or not marked at all, or we'll catch the excavator on site doing something that's against the law like what I just described. We do damage prevention in all sorts of ways. Education is at the top of the list. We educate, educate, educate constantly. Either I do meetings like I did yesterday with some energy engineers or will engage excavators on site and go through a pre quickly pre-construction meeting. We constantly engage. We constantly engage. We know that works. We capture this data through an eye auditor program system where we become our own ambassadors and we engage the audience in the field. We'll engage audience in their own safety meetings. 
James and I, as you know very well, will engage anybody through LinkedIn. Uh, he uses Facebook and TikTok. I don't use none of the things. But <laughs> another story for another day. <laughs> we need we need to we need to get him on the podcast now. Like that, that's a that, he's going to be our next guest definitely. <laughs> he's he's a great guy. This is what we do, David. This is this is we constantly have to be out there. The only way we're going to catch the big one from happening, and you know the big one I'm talking about, the ones we see on videos, the ones that make the news. The ones that are in media. The only way we catch the big yeah, one from happening is just being in the right place at the right time and doing everything with strategic purpose. That's pretty you much know, we it. Had, uh, when I was in the military, we had a saying. This is probably going. The translation won't uh, won't come out properly, but uh, but I'll try and say it anyway. Um, there's a saying in the military to you need to pursue contact and you need to be out into the field because if you out in the field because if you're not out in the field you're not making a difference there's only so much difference you can make from sitting under the nice neon lights and the air conditioning and uh, and enjoying yourself that's not how you uh, uh, win battles Right. Like if you want to if you have a mission to pursue and you want to make a difference and if you want to I'm still on the military analogy, but if you want to conquer ground, so uh, you need to be out there. You're not going to uh, yes, win a war behind that uh, that computer behind that desk. And I yes, think sir. I can really resonate with what you're saying, that if you're not out in the field, you're not going to catch those milliseconds, millimoments of of uh, that you just paid attention and you saw that there was something bad about to happen. And, you know, like he may have just sat there uh, 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 and not, and not have done anything. Right. But you didn't know that when you were there, right. You saw that machinery and you said, well, I got to stop that now. I got to put a hold on that. Um, and I think that it's, it's interesting, and the question I, I, the question for me is like, why why don't we have the people in the uh, the people in the field or more contractors or more uh, civil engineers? You know, like I don't want to name any uh, any titles because we're all responsible, right? But why don't I think we need to have more stakeholders minded to these potential damages? And I think that it's it's very hard to do so. And I'm wondering why, from your experience, why do you think that is? Well, that's going to bring us to the second part of our conversation. Enforcement. You have to abide by the laws. Everything is geared toward public safety. And the laws, even if they don't make sense to you, are in place for a reason. Let's talk about one law that you and I are very familiar with. A speed limit sign. It's a number. And you have to abide by it. It's a law. On a sign, in numeric form, and you have to follow it. 
What happens if you don't follow the law? Something unsafe could happen. Let's assume nothing unsafe happens. What else could happen if you don't follow that law? You get a speeding ticket. I don't know how it is in your country, but in my country, a speeding ticket will set you back a couple months. They are expensive. And if it's in a school zone in another place that's unsafe, (laughs) your Christmas is over for you, buddy, for that year. You have to wait till Christmas for next year. My point is this. Enforcement has to enforce the law. In most of the states, in most of the states, it's beginning to add these things to the state law. Slowly. Some states are ahead of other states, David. Some states are ahead of other states in technology, in innovation, in evolution. And some states are behind other states. For the states that are beginning to enforce the state law as it's wrote, your 811 law, damage prevention law, those excavators and utility operators are beginning to understand that everything is set up for public safety for a reason. And they're beginning to respect the enforcement where you have a lack of enforcement, you have a high damage count where you have stricter utility enforcement. You have a lower count of damages. That's just the way it is. And it, it, you have certain things that are working for enforcement. You have certain things that work extremely well for enforcement in the states that are enforcing the state law. So with that said, to break that down a little bit further, David, you have, uh, let's use Texas, for instance, you have the Texas Railroad Commission. Um, In other states, you have the utility commissions that do the enforcement. In my state specifically, we have Department of Natural Resources, a damage prevention uh, subcommittee that does the enforcement here called DNR, Operation of Pipeline and Safety. You have enforcement that's limited. You have enforcement that's limited, meaning that in our state, they can enforce the pipelines. Any company that's defined as a pipeline, whether transmission or distribution, but they don't enforce the rest of the law. So we have a system right now that's needing some help, needs some help along, but that's done through legislation, as you understand, and that's a problem. So in other areas, David, they have enforcement boards. That's what I'm specifically trying to push for this state is to form an enforcement board. And we could talk about 
all this in a little bit of detail, but to get to the second subject of the day, in my opinion, is enforcement. You have to have some enforcement or no one's going to follow the speed limit sign. They're just going to all drive 90 miles an hour. What, what does that enforcement board look like? Describe it, describe it for our audience. Sure. An enforcement board is usually made up of stakeholders that are involved in the damage prevention process. Some states have small boards, meaning one guy that works with 811, one guy that works with the power company, one guy that works with the gas company, one guy that's a utility locator for a subcontractor, one guy that works for the Department of Transportation, the state, one guy that works for a parish utility council. That's generally your boards. Some states have larger enforcement boards. They have all type of people, stakeholders. They are all stakeholders, but in the end, the person that doesn't have a say in anything, brother, is the public, the general public. We do what we do, David. You do what you do for the person that has no voice. The person that has no voice, David, is mom and pop out there in the house that don't know what's going on outside. They just know somebody's digging. We do what we do for the public. And that's why Atmos Energy has hired us for this state to do what we do. But the enforcement boards, brother, to not get too far away from that subject, is the next route that we need to go uh, as a country for damage prevention. We need to make it strict, not overly strict, but it needs to be strict enough that people understand you're going to follow the rules or you're not going to stay in this business. What I love about, about this, uh, this concept is we mentioned at the beginning, we talked about how our industry is uh, fragmented and uh, fragmented and we're each uh, siloed and our own set of interests, um, I think that putting everyone in, in one room and having us all solve the challenges of, uh, of the industry together, I think that that, uh, well, first of all, it creates a dialogue because we're each siloed in our own set of interests. So we're not thinking about the interest of, uh, um, of the person next to us or down the, down the line in the, in the construction project life cycle. And you know, I think that this is some, like I, I know that these hap, this happens or should happen on most projects where you kind of get uh, uh, all the stakeholders together. But, you know, it really a lot of times is uh, it can be a meeting that's not really structured. And it's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And everybody, everyone's kind of just ticking that box. And like it just, the meeting ends with no uh, significant action item or guideline of how we're going to, uh, actually make this project uh, work in the best way possible. Um, 
And I think basically what I'm trying to say is I think that we need to have much more of these. Like, I don't think that it, I don't think it should stay at the state level. I think this should be, uh, this should reach from the project level until the state level, like in every phase in between, there should be this board that's looking out for the interests of that specific um macro macro micro level if that makes sense i went on on a rant but uh i guess what i'm trying to say is it's it, it, we need to have much more collaboration in our industry amongst stakeholders the more communication the better let's let's talk about that just for a second fragment it so david if you ask me about how operations works for the gas distribution system. Or if you ask me about how our engineering program works for atmosphere energy, the gas system, or if you ask me how, how does service work? I can tell you some information. I can tell you some information, David, but it's, it's not going to be good information. It's going to be some information, but can you make, can you make a, a decision off of the information I gave you? You can make a fragmented decision off the metrics I gave you, but you cannot make an informed decision, a decision based off all of the facts that you need. Here's what I can tell you, David. If you ask me something about damage prevention, brother, you're getting some good information because that's all I know. I can only give you good information based off my uh, experience, based off my education on what I'm passionate about, on what I know about. We have a lot of metrics and data floating around out there, brother. That's, that's all good information. And these analyzers can take that fragmented information. But you guess what you're going to get? What consequence are you going to end up with with fragmented information coming from people that don't know their field? You're going to get a fragmented uh, action or reaction. You're not going to get everything you need. I think the conversation needs to start at the bottom and work its way up. And I don't think people are willing to take the time to do that. There's just people in upper management and higher management that are making the best decisions they can. They're, they're being honorable. They just, they just don't have all the information, brother. They don't have all the right information. They, they, a person, I'm going to say this carefully. My manager is brilliant, David Raymond, a brilliant guy. And, and he's, he's a great ops manager. Can he know everything that I know? He's, if I had to guess, he's 10 years older than me, maybe 20. He does know 20 years more of, more of knowledge than I do, David. 
I can't take that away from him. Can he know everything that I know? Has he ever been in the field swinging a locator? I, I don't know that to be a fact. Uh, he's never said that. But can he know everything that I know? It's, it's not possible. The only person that can make a, a good decision, an informed decision, is a person that's come from the field, that's been in the field a long time. You have to believe, David, that as a 20-year guy swinging a locator, that I have to know more than the guy that's only swung the locator for five years. Do, do you understand that? If I was Absolutely. 500 pounds overweight, would you ask me for advice on how to lose weight? I'm, I'm just saying. Exactly. I'm just saying. Yeah. You, we have a lot of communication out there. We have a lot of brilliant people out there. But they can only know their field as good as what they know by being in the field. And a lot of decisions I think are being made, David, at the top, uh, well-educated people, honorable people, but they're making decisions that's hurting everybody else. That's just how I see it, brother. I completely uh, resonate. I think that... Uh... You know, I think it's general leadership advice, what, what, you're, what you're saying now, because, you know, I think leadership doesn't matter what industry you're in, right? You can be uh, we're talking about the military, you can be in the military and you can be uh, in damage prevention, but it's all about, it's all about listening to your, to your troops and get, getting a feel for what they're experiencing in the field and that the leadership should feel and believe that the troops know better than them. And I think that's just, well, it's just how leadership should be. So, <laughs> uh, Raymond, we, we love uh, ending these episodes with, uh, with two short questions. Uh, so in, in one or two sentences, uh, what do you think that damage preve prevention specialists uh, should be upholding right now? The one thing that a damage prevention specialist slash coordinator should uphold is keeping people off all utilities. Not just your utility. That is very honorable of you. Keep people off all utilities. Help them to follow the law. If they follow the law, it will be a safety reaction that everyone can enjoy. That is what I have for all damage prevention specialists slash coordinators. It's an education game. If we, uh, if we educate the industry, so we're, and the, and the rest of the stakeholders in the industry are educating the same messages. So like, it's a win-win situation for all of us. So thinking outside our parameter. Second question, Raymond, uh, and I think you've, uh, you may have slightly already answered this, but who do you think should be our next guest on our podcast? Uh, my coworker, James Baum. He will give so you an We're going to have to make that happen. <laughs> he, he is military. 
he's ex ex military. You guys, you guys, you guys are gonna <laughs> we'll see have a good conversation on a lot of yeah. stuff. Military, yeah, TikTok, damage prevention. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but uh, Raymond, but listen, David. Man, we could go all over the place. There are many great people I have met on LinkedIn in in fields that are close to ours, David. In fields that are close to ours, there's there's many people I could name. I, I mean a bunch of people bunch of great people out there. But James definitely he's ready. So we're gonna uh, take this offline and uh, get that list of people so we can start talking to them and see who wants to be on next. Uh, Raymond, this has been a pleasure, uh, great conversation with a great person. Uh, this is really what we're trying to make this podcast about, uh, having great people showing, uh, sharing with us what's happening on the front lines of, uh, of the industry. Uh, so I thank you for your time and, uh, have a great day, my friend. You as well. Thanks for having me.